Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It is thinking of yourself less. Rick Warren. Welcome to the Instinctive Influencers Podcast, a show where influence becomes one of your tools for success. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Ed Haley. Hi, I'm Brian. And I am Ed. And this is the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Ed, we are back. <laughs> we are, it's been a, you know, it's like life threw us a, a big, massive, like ball of you know what. This past week, we tried to get together multiple times. Multiple. And each time it's like you, oh, yeah, like you were like, hey, uh, I can't do this one because I got to do this. And then I send you a message that yesterday. I was like, oh, I can't do this and because I got to do this, you know, and it's, it's funny. We were just talking about the teleworking, you know, because the whole everything that's going on yeah. right now. And, you know, we'll be able to look back on this in history. But it's funny how involved you are you actually are, even though you're kind of disengaged a little bit. Yeah, no. First of all, teleworking is, uh, if you are actually teleworking, it's a lot of work, man. But you do for some reason, I still get more work done at home. I guess it's because you don't get those gotta minutes that we've talked about on some other episodes. Right. Um, it, it, but if you're doing it, it is a lot of work. You don't. So what I did. Yeah, you don't have. <laughs> I have children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So what I have done this week, Brian, I didn't tell you this before the show is I was thinking about these teleworking folks and, and me and my captain, we've been coming to work every day and our civilian that we work for. So, uh, so two days this week, I went to work in civilian clothes and I was like, Hey, I'm teleworking, just teleworking from the office. So I'm in the same uniform they're in. Cause I'm pretty sure most of them don't even put on pants when they're working. So I, <laughs> I definitely went to work and was like, Hey, just, I, I told him I'll put it on the purse that if you want that I'm teleworking from work. I, no, hey, I totally get you, man, with the whole teleworking. So no joke. I'm a whiteboard person. I love using yes. whiteboards for all kinds of things because to me, it's like I can jot some stuff on there. I can take a picture of it if I need it for later. I can erase it real quick and redo stuff. So we had an extra whiteboard just sitting in the office. I grabbed that bad boy and it is downstairs. Uh, and I... I etch everything on there. Like, so we have to do these <clears throat> basically. So social distancing is a thing. Yes. But at the same time, they still want us to kind of uh, check on our soldiers type thing. So we have to do these home visits and you don't go in the house. You, you stay about 10 feet from the door, all that stuff. Right. You just show up, you say, hi, ask if everything's okay. You get a, an eyes on them. Yeah, you know oh, what I mean? Um, which I don't, I don't disagree with. Um, some people are kind of upset with it, but I think if you do it smartly, you're going to be fine. Right. You, I, I got a mask. I'm gonna wear my mask, um, and all that stuff. Uh, but no joke, man, I had to, I had to get all these addresses. So, and I had to figure out, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to split up all these platoon sergeants up not just platoon sergeants. I also got some senior, uh, staff sergeants and whatnot that are a part of my group that I'm going to go check on. And so I ordered, I marked them up like one through whatever for today in one area of town. And then tomorrow's one through whatever for another area of town. And then I get on Google and then I play with the map and all this stuff. So yeah, it's kind of, you know, I, I've got it all broken up and I, and I even, I even shot them this morning, the ones I'm visiting today, later on today, I shot them the time with a plus or minus five minutes uh, that I would be at their home because I was able to kind of do all this. And I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, it's kind of a good idea, even as a leader, uh, you kind of kind of establish that, hey, 
It's good to know where you live. And we used to do this a long time ago. You know, we used to, if you remember correctly, back in the day, we used to do the strip maps and put them in yeah, our leaders books. And you knew, you knew where people lived. But people didn't really go physically and see where it was, right? And I I think that's like, I think it kind of meshes into what we're going to get into today. And when you you read that that quote from Rick Warren, which I, I really like, I've always really liked that quote, humility is not thinking less of yourself. So I'm, I don't think I'm lower than anything. It's just, I don't think about myself. Uh, I, I have to, I need to start thinking about myself less. And that's what it means. And I, I kind of, I think about those home visits, man. And I think about like where we're going to go with this and do, we're doing this, you know, it's kind of, yeah, I'm going to burn some gas. Got it. I don't care. You yeah. know what? It's a little bit of money. Um, well, to be honest, I have a truck that eats gas like crazy. I'm on the same tank of gas for the past two weeks because I haven't traveled that much. <laughs> Normally I'm filling up every three days, man. So, um, but you know, I, I just kind of, I wanted to associate that, you know, and, and then you were mentioning a little bit about entering the gate, uh, yesterday and you had to make a correction. Yeah. And I thought about how you said that story and what you were talking about. And I'll let you tell the story, but I thought about it and I thought to myself, I was like, what you did was literally not thinking of yourself, but to make sure others also were thinking about others in that manner. You want to tell us that story, man? Yeah. So, you know, we're doing these gates, uh, the gate thing, and we have questions we have to ask. Um, and off the top of my head, it's like, uh, have you been diagnosed with COVID-19? Have you been around anyone who has flu-like symptoms? Do you have a temperature? Um, and there's a couple of right. like, difficulty breathing. So I come through and I'm in civilian clothes. So that, you know, the soldier doesn't know. And the soldier says to me, hey, you feeling all right? I go, yeah. He goes, okay, you're good to go. It's absolutely not. I said, is that, is that the question you're supposed to ask? Is, is that what's on the script that's been given to you? No. I said, all right, so let's do <laughs> the right thing. Yeah. And not be lazy. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't, matter of fact, you know, telling, retelling the story, bro, I don't even think I ever even said, hey, I'm Sergeant, you know, such and such. I don't think I ever even said, I just made the correction and, 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 and moved on. And then my wife had the same thing. So, difference is being, of course, she's a civilian. Uh, so, right. it's a little more difficult for her to make a correction. But, you know, she comes through the gate and the soldier just says, have you heard the questions before? Are any of them? No. Mm-hmm. Okay, ma'am, you're good. Like, <laughs> what is that? You know? So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but yeah, no, I just corrected him because when you think about, yes, is it repetitive? Yep. Uh, I've done the gate guard myself. I, I've put myself on the duty and been out there for three hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And you're asking the same four or five questions over and over, especially if you get it yeah. when everybody's coming to work, you know? So I get it that it's, it's repetitive, but that doesn't mean you take a shortcut because now what he really freed me up to do is say, you know, yes, I'm feeling good. And meanwhile, I feel terrible. I have a fever, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, right, right, right. So it, it's just, you know, just doing the right thing and, and you're protecting the force. It even says it in the little script. I have been directed to ask the following questions in order to ensure the safety of the force. Like, right. Well. Yeah. No, and, and it's, yeah, anybody can answer the questions the way they want to, right? It's, it's about integrity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, you can tell if somebody's coming through and they're sweating bullets and whatnot. <laughs> you're like, hey, you sure you okay? Um, but at the same time, 
what by you making that correction, I I think what you did is you you're you're kind of establishing that idea of you know hey listen you got to put others before yourself here you you know he was being in a sense you said lazy I also want to say selfish um, selfish because he didn't want to waste his time on asking all those questions or he felt like it was uh, redundant boring everyone's already heard this well yeah and no not everyone has heard it you know maybe the, the very next person in the car behind you may have never had to enter a post and now they did, yeah. you know, type thing. It's just, it's just one of those things. And it's putting, you know, putting how I feel uh, to the back burner about this because there is a job to get done. Yeah. And I need to think about the other people, you know, and their health and their safety. So, and that's why like, I thought about that and I was like, man, that really relates to our show of the day, which is humility. Let's not talk about me with this. Uh, right off the bat, we want to talk about there's some key points that we need to look at. It's about four key points, and then we're going to get into uh, there's a total of nine reasons why humility is the key ingredient to exceptional leadership and influence. And then we're going to finish off the show with a three simple steps to uh, how to be humble as a leader. And it's really three simple steps, and to me, those are the... I guess the starting blocks or the, you know, the foundation of humility and being humble as a leader. So we're, we're going to go through all this, but let's right now, let's hit up these three key points. First one is humility is an important, but under discussed value of leadership. Ed, over your years throughout the service and being, and, and even when you were, you know, doing retail and stuff, when you were in between jobs, you know, of the military, did you ever have like was there ever a candid discussion did you think of about humility as a leader? As a leader. I I I can't really recall one. I mean, um yeah, I can't really recall one, you know, to talk about how important humility is to you as a leader. Um mm-hmm. No, no, I can't recall one, Brian. See, mine wasn't uh, probably until a bit later, and it wasn't really a discussion. It was, um, I guess you could say, I was I was being arrogant, and I was told you, you might no. want to be a little bit more humble than that. Yeah, yeah, you know, hey. But, and <clears throat> I put some thought to it, but over the years, over the years now, uh, the concentration towards it and the, and the looking at it and, you know, through my college classes, some of my classes have even, you know, because uh, a master's degree in executive leadership, one of the things that they get into is the servant leadership style. And you go over different styles and philosophies and humility is the big overarching one that really, it seems to be the concentration, but it wasn't until later in my career. So, so even, you know, as a junior, I wasn't being taught to be humble. And I think, you know, I think about it, Ed, and I think, Maybe that's where some of that toxicity that I've talked about before that I had back then came from because I didn't learn that humility. And I can tell you right now, the person, it was his name, uh, David Verissimo, he was the one that told me I needed to be a little bit more humble or, and show some humility because I was so arrogant. You know, I was one of those PT studs that just like, oh, if you can't do that, you know, that that mentality. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, So here's the next one. Next key point. Humble leaders are considered more approachable, forgiving of mistakes, and willing to acknowledge others' work, which can motivate employees to share ideas and work harder. I think we're, 
I don't want to discuss that one too much because we're really going to dive into that when we get into the nine reasons, right? I th- we're going to hit upon those areas. Um, but then let's go key point number three. Humility becomes more important as a leader's responsibility increases. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about that with the whole, as your responsibility has increased, you need to show even more humility? Well, I, I think it is important to, you know, because at, at now, first of all, as our responsibility increases, we, so does the visibility of us, right? Mm-hmm. You know, as a sergeant E5 or a corporal, you can kind of lay back and kind of hide. But as a senior, like you're right out front and we've talked about setting a culture. Mm-hmm. And if you, as that, as the boss, you know, if you're, you don't exercise humility, you're setting a culture that that's okay right. in your organization. And then you're creating that toxic environment, uh, you know, allowing it to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, with, and to me, when you're allowing that to grow, it's, almost like uh you're shining a light and people will see it more and they will try you know because obviously as you increase in responsibility or you increase in positions you're you're seen more and because you're seen more you're displaying the behavior that you want the rest of the organization to have right so i I definitely i have to agree with you there Uh, and then let's number four the number four key point here cultivate and this okay so before i read it i can tell you right now this was a thing for me when I went to EOL school or equal opportunity leader school. Uh, the, the, it was a two week course. Uh, I did that. Did you do EOL? Uh, I did. Matter of fact, at one point I was your battalion EOL, uh, when we were deployed. That's right. I do remember that, yeah. man. That was, that was years ago, bro. Years. Ago. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you think about it cause like we've known each other for a while, but I'm thinking, man, the last time we deployed, that was, you know, that was quite a few, you know, you think, 13. Yeah. That's seven. Uh, yeah. yeah. Seven years ago, we got back, in four, <laughs> I think the end of 14 or the beginning of 14. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, it, it, yeah, but I was your EOL mm-hmm. as a battalion representative. I remember, I remember that now. Yeah. But this, that's why this last one, I think equal opportunity. Uh, this is one of those things where I feel like it falls in that humility part. But anyways, cultivating humility as a leader requires knowing when to ask for help, using inclusive language when talking about work and accomplishments, and giving credit to others. Uh, so the mm. asking help and the credit to others, that's not what I meant by that. What I really liked was that in that middle part is using the inclusive language. One of the ones that they taught us was saying, okay, guys, or hey, guys, you're not, you're only being inclusive, you're, you're being exclusive to a certain group of people when you say, hey, guys, Uh-oh. you know, things like that. Well, Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, oh, and sorry, I, I, I'm one of those people, man. I am definitely not into that. So I try to change my language over the years that I don't say that anymore. What were you going to say? I was going to tell you to cue the commercial. So that I remember that being a pet peeve. Of the Bearded Ninja. Have you ever swam across the Bering Strait? In that cold, frigid water. Your beard's what's keeping you afloat because of its fullness. You know how you get that fullness? The Bearded Ninja Beard Bomb made of snake venom and pomade. The snake venom is what keeps away the horrible fish that want to eat you. And the pomade helps keep you afloat. That's the Bearded Ninja Beard Bomb. (laughs) 
Made everywhere, sold nowhere. So I remember that. That's a lesson that I remember very early when you when you know you do the teaching, and they have you get up there and facilitate a class, and then they eat you up like him, yeah, and Rebecca, yeah, and they critiqued you, right? And that was always one of those things is. Uh, oh, you're not. You're only talking to the males in the class because you keep saying, you know, he or, or, mm-hmm. or guys. And and I remember that being a big pet peeve for him. Yeah, and uh, I, I mean, I guess you could say it. It's one of those things that it's a habit that you have to learn to break. And you know, it could be everything from the crutch words too. And those those are a sort of form of a crutch words when people say, "All right, guys. All right, guys. Hey, guys. You know that type of thing." But at the same time. I don't want to leave out the other two parts of that about cultivating uh, humility as a leader requires knowing when to ask for help. Uh, I did some time ago, I sent out a, uh, this was when I was in Korea as a first sergeant, I sent out to my platoon sergeants. It was an article that I thought was kind of a refreshing thing as a leader to say, it's okay to say, I think I, did I get that from you? Yeah, I did get it from you, but it's okay to say, I don't know and ask for help. Um, and that was, uh, I want to say you pulled it from, it was either the Encino journal or something like that, but you're the one that gave it to me. Um, you emailed it to me actually. Uh, I think that's a big thing because what that does is that shows that you're not a know-it-all you're not above everyone else. And it's in you're you're susceptible of not being knowledgeable on something and then obviously giving credit to others. Your thoughts, man. Um, yeah. I mean, I didn't really have anything. Okay. <laughs> I really didn't have anything. So, actually, I did. So, this is one, Brian, of our experiences together. If you remember, right, soldier gets in trouble, gets removed from being a facilitator mysteriously in the early hours of the morning. And uh, this soldier had always taught the map reading course. Oh, yeah. Of a block of instruction. Yes. And I had to swallow my pride and say, Hey, Sergeant Weber, I have never taught this. And I'm probably a little scared to death about this right now. Yeah. So I had to ask you for help and you came in there and you, you taught it. And then inclusive language is also another thing about you. That's very much a pet peeve. The the whole, I mean, not uh, inclusive language, the talking about accomplishments. That's very much a you thing. (laughs) The we before I, yeah, that's, I we succeed, we fail. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, so those are a couple of things with this one. When, when I looked it over, I was like, yeah, this is absolutely uh, some of the history with Brian and I. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny. I'm, I was thankful that you came and asked me for the help that time. But at the same time, I was extremely relieved that it wasn't something that I was clueless on because I, I felt bad. Like, yeah, uh, I don't know what to do. Maybe we get somebody else. You know? Law of war. You didn't want to teach law of war. Well, I, see, so law of war, it wasn't that uh, I was clueless on. It was just that is a boring, boring. boring object. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That and to I me, sure. command supply discipline was always boring. Now you enjoyed it. I know because that's your thing, but. Yes, so. it was my thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, and you brought up that uh, inclusive language and how we talk things. You know, it's one of the things that I've caught myself doing, and people can do this in any type of work uh, environment, is, for instance, when I send out a message or I, I'm, I'm discussing things with platoon sergeants, I don't like to say things like your soldiers. Um, I try to say our soldiers, our company. 
a lot of we's, stuff like that. So ours and we's replaced with I's, me's, and you's. Um, because I kind of feel like, like if I say, hey, tell your soldiers to do this, it's literally taking me out of the equation as I'm not a part of this. Uh, versus if I say, hey, I need you to tell our soldiers this. What it's saying is, is to me, it's kind of like a metaphoric thing of, I can't reach everyone. I need your help in reaching everyone. Does that make sense? No, that, that actually really makes sense because you're humbling yourself to ask these people who, you know, they, they work for you. You're really yeah. asking them for assistance is what you're doing. And right back to what we talked about just a couple of weeks ago. Now you're, you're letting that be the culture of your organization that, you know, we before I is part of that organization's mm-hmm. it's, part of the makeup of that organization. So it's sending a positive message. Yeah. It's, it's, hey man, we're, we're so rabbit holing right now because you just said something else that brought to mind. You said, <laughs> when you said the, all those people working for me, that's another thing that like, it bothers me when I hear people say, uh, you know, like when they introduce themselves, for instance, let me say I I'm with Sergeant Snuffy and Sergeant Snuffy introduces his spouse to me. Uh, my thing is, is, Oh, it's good to meet you, ma'am. I love working with your husband or, or your wife or whatever versus, uh, well, yeah, yeah. Your, your husband works for me. You know what I mean? Like, I think when I, when I'm, when I'm, I'm wording it as such as, oh yeah, I know such as they work with me. I don't like to say, oh yeah, that yeah. person, you know, a lot of times, like when I refer to you, um, whether it be on the podcast or even when I'm talking about you with other people about the podcast um, outside, you know, at work or wherever, when somebody asks me about it, I say, oh, yeah, it's a, it's a, he's a guy that I worked with. I never talk about you ever working for me. We're really, you really didn't in a sense. But you know what I mean? Like too many people are into that power trip, right? Of they want to be yeah. the head person. And I think the start of that is, uh, of to being a good humble leader is to putting everybody before you by not being that arrogant power hungry person. Yeah, and I think that um, I sh- I think that I shouldn't comment because if I comment, I might lead you in another rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, man, you you are hooking me up, man. Just loading up the guns with ammo. Anyways, um, <laughs> so I, I think what we need to do now is we got to get into these nine reasons. And since I've done most of the talking so far, Ed. I'm going to knock out this intro to it. And then if you don't mind, can you, are you ready to jump into humanity? Why not? (laughs) All right. So let me, here we go. Nine reasons. Humility is the key ingredient to exceptional leadership and influence. Now, when I originally found this material, I added influence to this because when you start reading down through here, we're going to see a lot of influence as a, as a key indicator, but the people we admire and feel most inspired to follow are those who do not have a need to showboat their accomplishments or convince others of their greatness. Oh man, I could speak for days on that. (laughs) Showboats are more of a turn off than a turn on when it comes to leadership. We are most inspired by leaders who show exceptional character, who take pride in who they are and in what they have accomplished. Humble leaders use their skills, knowledge and experience, love that part, knowledge and experience, to bring people together to increase productivity, to improve quality of life, and to create a positive culture. Leaders who come from humility 
use their success for the greater good rather than for self-glorification. If I was to pull that particular little paragraph out of any particular book that I've read recently, I'm going to tell you right now, Leaders Eat Last. That That is a book of nothing but humility, really. But what I just read there, that to me is Simon Sinek preaching it. Uh, I have his new Infinite Game one, and it very much speaks on that also. I've been listening to it. I'm almost done with it. And then I move on to About Face. I'm going to do the audio book, Ed. Uh, I'll probably do the hard book. With, long. I, I know I'm going to do the audio book because it said like 40 hours. I'm like 40 hours. <laughs> I picked it up on audible, but, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of interested to see where, where Hackworth, uh, in, interjects humility at all. I'm about to, I, I, I'm curious to find it in his book. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts or do you want to just jump right in that humanity? Well, the one thing that, you know, if you think about that last little sentence, it kind of goes right back to the quote that we opened the show with. Uh, leaders who come from humility use their success for the greater good rather than their self-glorification. So yes. the greater good, so the bigger picture, that's basically what we're saying. And that's really what Rick Warren said in the uh, in the opening quote, Brian. Um, but so speaking of humility, right, we're talking about today, uh, the first item that we have, the first reason humility is a key ingredient to exceptional leadership and influence is humanity. And so it says it starts the, the little blurb that I have starts with a sense of humility is vital to great leadership because it authenticates a person's humanity. Mm. And then it goes on. So basically what it's saying is, you know, nobody's perfect. And if you have that leadership who comes across as perfect, then they're not approachable. So they're not perfect because they're not approachable because people feel like that they're on this pedestal and, and they don't, you know, they're kind of, put off about approaching them. Um, oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like we've, you've seen that leader before and, and this part of the article, it really plays back to when we talked way back. We talked, we've talked about self-awareness several times and yes. according to this and, and not according to this, actually great leaders have a depth of understanding garnered from their experience. We've also talked about the value in our experience many, many times. And, yes. and that's where we learn to identify our, not just our strengths and weaknesses, right? But go back to our talent management episode. We val- we learn to identify strengths and weaknesses in those that work with and for us uh, so that we can use them as a, as a uh, use them where they can thrive, I guess is the best way to say it, Brian. But mm-hmm. yeah. So when you have that perfect leader, nobody wants to go to them. They want to, they want to understand that, you know, the leader has flaws just like I have flaws. I want to be comfortable to to go talk to that person. Uh, does that make sense, Brian? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I think I can tell you right now, if I notice somebody who actually says, you know, hey, listen, this is what I'm thinking, but I'm not very, I'm not completely sure on all this. What are your thoughts? I think that actually sounds very much like some of the stuff we've already been talking, we talked about even last episode. But to me, that's saying, oh, so this person doesn't expect me to be perfect. They just want me to get it done the best I can. And if I need help, I'll ask it. And that's that whole that whole piece where it's you you feel safe. You know, um, Simon Sinek will we'll probably reference him a lot here today. I'm not sure uh, where we'll get with it. But <laughs> is I and to tell you the truth, I, we can even reference Jocko on this. But it's that that circle of safety, he calls it. 
you know, that, that golden circle, he says that, you know, if, if I feel danger inside of that circle, then my circle is going to get smaller and smaller and less people will be included. I think that falls back on what we talked about earlier with that inclusion. If people feel safe, all right, and they feel accepted, then they're going to feel included. And, and that can be, I mean, that can be a real test too for a leader to work on. You know, you're, you're focused on the, all these other things or even an influencer within, within whatever organization, but you're also at the same time trying to be mindful, which we've done a lot of things on mindful, of how people are being included and your level of arrogance or your level of ego or anything that you're interjecting yeah. that could, could actually um, make somebody withdraw themselves from the organization. So, yeah, great, great point, brother. No, it is. And so the other thing, Brian, you know, when you're when you when you have humility, that's where that can you know we talked about the perfect guy. There's no connection there, but when you have some kind of humility and you reveal your you know that you have strengths and weaknesses, then that's where the connection comes from. The connection, like you said, makes people feel safe and accepted, and that is where the ability to guide somebody and to teach, coach, and mentor, as we say in the, in the military, that person to help them to improve. And, and I think that's what ties it all together and why humanity is on this list. Uh, I, I don't think these are in uh, any particular order. I don't believe so. No, I don't, I don't think it, I, I think what it is, is it's, I think uh, falling back on that mindfulness thing. I think it's just, Hey, listen, when this part arises, you know, you may want to think about this. So if you know, when, you know, it's just how I talk. If I'm talking a certain way, or if I'm if I'm singling people out in a certain way, uh, that is negative, then I may need to refrain from that. I need to I may need to withdraw that. I mean, and, and it could be as simple as somebody making the wrong decision, right? Instead of sitting in a meeting and chastising those those individuals, instead I'd be like, yeah, um, well, I wasn't quite sure about that, but hey, I want to talk to you later about this, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then. And then pull them aside, do a one-on-one if you have to, or or maybe even bring a peer if if that's a trusted individual. Personally, I I rather do the one-on-one than the bringing a peer in because that also can be embarrassing. Oh, yeah. But bring a one-on-one and just talk to them. I say, listen, I understand your thought process, or I'm having a hard time understanding your thought process. I don't think that was the right decision. Why would you make that decision? And allow them to speak for it, and then and then you can talk through it. And you're like, oh, okay. And if you get a certain at a certain uh, why in the road, and you see that they decided to take the left instead of taking the right, you can say, well, wouldn't you think if you would have went blah 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 blah, that would have been a little bit better? And what you're doing is you're helping grow them. That's that lifelong learning we talk about. That's that knowledge, that experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think. Personally, it that's showing humanity because I'm not going to stand there. You know, um, you been watching the Tiger King? I have watched the Tiger King twice. All of the series. <laughs> Thanks for putting me on the spot. I watched it, and then when my wife watched it, I may have watched it again. Okay, well, I'm I'm only saying this because I haven't finished it. Like we literally are taking our time <laughs> on it because we're savoring every episode. And you should, <laughs> I mean, you should hear like in my house, like the comments me and my wife throw back at each other. You know, like I believe Carol Baskins didn't wash the dishes, you know, something like that. Um, and no offense to her. I, I mean, I hope everything works out for, her, you know, and her tigers in the little tiny cages. Um, but 
<laughs> but you're a terrible. <laughs> one of the th- okay, maybe I should have said it that. Way. Uh, one of the things that I noticed uh, just the uh, last night watching the episode was uh, with Joe. Joe's like he's the way he was treating people at that little zoo and how he would holler at them and stuff. I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy needs a lesson in humility. Uh, pronto, yes. right? So I don't know it just it made me think of that. So those of you listening. Um, if you haven't watched the Tiger King yet on Netflix, we're not a sponsor of it, but let me tell you, it is pure entertainment gold. <laughs> Enter it's train wreck theater is what it is. <laughs> like I'm excited to see what's next for Netflix. Like the, I think I think that's part of the reason why we haven't like gotten rid of it because we have Hulu and we can watch a lot of other things. I'm like, well, what is Netflix gonna do next? Because first the first one I watched was Don't F with Cats. Um that was a train wreck, and like you're like, okay. And then the, this one, Tiger King, you're like, oh, what's next? Nothing can get better than this. But uh, I, what I was getting to here was, <laughs> wow, yeah, like, <laughs> I was way off. What I was getting to here was, is wow, that is a definite example of somebody who is lacking all humility, doesn't know anything about humanity. Um, and I'm pretty sure he's going to miss the mark um, or in that show, uh, uh, many of the people in that show, by the way, uh, they're going to miss the mark <laughs> on most of these nine areas that we're going to talk about. I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's funny. You talked about the scene where he's yelling at everybody. And I actually think that you may be able to uh, you may be able to roll that into number two, Brian. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So <laughs> there is the scene where he is cussing somebody out. And and uh, so, by the way, um, obviously, we don't cuss on the show and we don't do things like that. But we may reference like, so, for instance, the Tiger King. If you do watch it, I'm going to pre-warn you. There is salty language. Um, there are a lot of adult situations. Yes, adult situations. A lot of things that you may not be comfortable with. So just, you know. If if you don't feel comfortable with it, then don't watch it. That's all I'm going to say. I, I don't want somebody to feel like they have to watch it to get anything we're saying. I would say uh, pay attention to the ratings that Netflix puts up there because there's drug use and there's adult situations. So yeah, right. I would pay attention and I would not watch it. Listen, the, the cats are wonderful, but they're not cute and cuddly for your kids to look at. I, I definitely. Yeah, don't watch it. With but the- pay attention to the ratings. That's what I would say. Yeah, don't watch it with the kids. Um, a lot of times I watch things in... So entertainment is one thing. Uh, another thing is, is I actually, I was no joke. I had already read this, this, uh, this, everything we were going to talk about. And I was literally thinking about this show when I was watching that scene. But the very next one is number two, balanced authority. And one of the scenes when he is cussing somebody out about, this is my meeting. You don't talk in my meeting. And I'm like, that's kind yeah. of, you know, like, that is backwards of what you want. You want a collective thought process. You want everybody throwing in their ideas. And what they're, what we're going to talk about here is, you know, most people are, they're disgusted by that whole, that loud, that egotistical authority figures or, you know, who oh, lead yeah. from basically from that narrow mindedness or the, the my way or the highway fear tactics. They throw, sh- you know, they try to shame you. They, th- they try to, uh, they try to throw threats at you, like I'll fire you, blah blah blah. Or they, mm-hmm. they, just, they just try to do intimidation uh, as a basically a general way of trying to rule, so to speak. And so yeah, you have bullying. to think about, yeah, exactly, right. So you have to think about this as in, if I'm being humble, I'm not in my kingdom. Uh, Ed, you remember when we used to we used to tell all the time, hey, listen, instructors, 
Stop being on in your, your classroom kingdom and start being a part of the class, right? Do, do you remember that? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because there's always, you know, you always have certain platoons that, like, well, and we've, I think we talked about it a little bit. My platoon's squared away. Like, my, yeah, no, you got to come out of there. And, and you had one that they stayed, that platoon stayed together for a long time. And they all were of the same uh, military occupational specialty, I think, except like one. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that platoon had a culture. They had a culture in it uh, of how things run. And, and it was all fed through the leadership. Yeah, exactly. And that's yep. and that to me, when you breed that culture. Now, it's okay to say our team is the best, you know, for some small competition type things. But if you're always putting your team or you're part, trying to put it as in like everyone else is beneath you, yeah, you're messing up. So I really think with this whole balanced authority, one of the key things we have to think about is that how rank certainly brings status and power. Yeah. Uh, but you don't really need that. Oh, you don't, I don't need to say, yeah, I'm the first sergeant and this is how it's going to be. No, instead I can, that's so true. let's just let's just throw a scenario. So, for instance, um, the COVID nineteen thing. Uh, soldiers, uh, we have to wear protective gear um, to kind of protect ourselves, and that's great. I'm glad we're doing it. I don't have to put it out in a chat message to all my platoon sergeants, platoon sergeants, because I'm the first sergeant. You're going to wear the mask. Why do? Why did I even have to add that in there? Right. Instead, I could yeah. reword that to. Listen, we really have to think about our soldiers first. And in that manner, we need to make sure that all of our soldiers have the correct protective gear on when in, you know, areas where groups of people yeah. are, stuff like that. So what I'm doing is I'm, I'm taking that whole, I'm not the one, I don't, I'm just informing them of what the goal is and I'm trying to get buy-in. Now they're going to buy in. Yeah, they have to, but at the same time, I can do it through where there's going to be resistance and like, oh, I can't believe you would talk. You know what I mean? Like, because that does, I don't care what anybody says, Ed. To me, that mentally gets in your mind and you start thinking about how you dislike this person, how they try to make themselves more than you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I definitely, as you were saying, I was thinking about like, you know, I got an email this week that says it it was from somebody, one of the other um, directorate heads. And it says, hey, we need this, this, and this, and you owe it to the boss by tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Okay. You didn't have to put the boss into it to try to get me. I don't know if the intent was, hey, by me saying, oh, you owe it to the colonel, mm-hmm. and I'm going to move faster. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, it's not necessary. And that was something I learned as a young soldier, too. Why use your rank? Why use your position to get your authority? Why not get your authority through the respect and trust of your uh, the soldiers you work for or work with? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. you do work for them. I, another thing, uh, yeah. I see, you got me now. So, <laughs> as a leader, you do work for those under you. Yes. You know what I mean? They work for you, but you work for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At the end of the day, you work for them to keep them going too. So. Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example, man. Um, so we had we have a you know dental appointments come up, right? You know what I mean? And I thought, well, what a better way to help them? I scheduled, I scheduled. I think it was like sixty-seven people all dental appointment. I send a list over to, over to the doc. And I said, doc, I need all 67 scheduled. He scheduled all 67 for me over a three day period, by the way. So he was really on it. I'm, I'm really, I'm astonished at how well he was. At. And then I sent out, I sent out this massive spreadsheet 
uh, that had everybody's name on it. They needed, and I said, listen, uh, went ahead and knocked this out. People should be getting emails, text messages, all this stuff, you know, cause they put them in the system. Uh, just, Hey, do me a favor make sure all of our soldiers are tracking when their appointment is and do whatever follow-ups need to be to ensure that they make it, you know? Um, but, it's, it had nothing to, I didn't say you will make sure, you know, I, I didn't do it that way. Instead, it was how you transform it. And one of the key things that it was from this, this, uh, this article that I found some of this information on, it talks about that when humility is presented, that leaders act more like, say, a player's coach. Their position of authority is used to establish order and discipline between team members. Uh, I, to me, I think back to some of my coaches, um, Back way back when I'm gonna Al Bundy this, okay? You know it. <laughs> are, are you going back to high school? Football? I'm gonna go back to high school football. Let me put my hand right there and uh, talk about back when high school football was. Anyways, but I think about high school football. I think about uh, Coach Gabby Price, amazing guy. I think about Coach Morris. I think about Coach Hackett. Um, uh, there's a couple. There's like two or three more, and I can't remember the names. I feel bad. Uh, but <laughs> I think about those coaches and. I cannot, I'm telling you, Ed, I can't recall one time where I felt like they um, were one of those types of uh, authoritative leaders, you know, or one of those my way, the highway leaders. I, they always were in the trenches with us, always, you know, helping us learn harder and showing us the things we need to do. And, and it just the humility that they showed has echoed for years. I can tell you right now that uh, there's still guys that I'm connected to on Facebook and whatnot, and we message back and, you know, we, well, we send, you know, like comments and stuff on there. And it's just amazing to how that reflects throughout life of the way those guys were, you know? So other than that, man, what do you think? Balanced authority, we need to move on or? Yeah, I think uh, definitely uh, balanced authority. It's interesting to me. Uh, you know, I, I, Brian, listening to you talk about it, I think player coach is just, to me, like squad leader, you know, they're the ones. So they're th- as a squad leader with humility, I'm not just focused on my career. I have to focus on the career of those around us. And by doing that, I help to promote others. And that is number three, Brian promote. Others. Yes. <laughs> uh, so basically what it goes into is it talks about that those who exercise humility, right? They know the best way to get their team to prepare their team for success through encouragement, support, promoting their team to believe in their own potential for success. Well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do as a leader. And then you're supposed, you know, we're saying with humility, but man, I just thought this was just a thing that you were just supposed to do. So you need to, you got to tell them how to succeed because, uh, you know, the soldier who came in the army yesterday does not know how to get to where I am. If he's in the same uh, military occupational specialist as me, I can get him there. I can help guide him. I can give him the tools to get him there. And I can show him that I believe he has the ability to get there. Right. So that's when we're talking about grooming somebody's skill and talent. But that's, that's what we should do though. Cause we've talked about before developing our replacements, and, and that's where a, a, you know, a leader should do it. And then the one thing that really stood out to me here, Brian, and, and I'm trying not to read from the article, but this was just, I, I really like this part. It said, humble leaders will even promote those they've helped groom into higher positions than their own. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and I loved it. That, first of all, I will tell you, it is that is not easy. If you do that, that is not easy. 
Um, I, I, I put right here in my notes, big time ego check. <laughs> like, Oh, massively. Cause you know, and, and so for me, because of my job, I spent a lot of time around mechanics outside my scope, but I still helped to groom these mechanics. I still told them, Hey, you need to do correspondence courses. Um, you know, if I had the ability to get them in a class, I still send them to class knowing that the way the promotion system works, that mechanic was going to get promoted. And there was a chance that mechanic was going to pass me by because of how the, just how the promotion system is. Right. Uh, so, so when I was reading this, I really was thinking about that. I was like, you know, that is not an easy thing. And I do remember a time, Brian, and you do too, because you were in around the early 2000s, just like when I came back in. I remember a time when this did not happen, that especially at that first NCO level. So the Sergeant E5, they were they they were a little hesitant to help you because they were worried you were going to pass them. I, I don't know if you ever had that experience. I know I did. Um, you know, things like holding you back from going to the promotion board. You know, uh, one of my sergeants, he found out I had a lot more promotion points than him because I was prior service. So when I came back in, I already was maxed on promotion points for awards. So this meant that once I went to the board, I was, boom, promoted. And he came up with some of the craziest reasons to prevent me from going to that to the board. Mm, um, and then when I did, right, so now we're both sergeants. And, again, I still have more points than him. We're both sergeants. And now he doesn't want to help me get to the staff sergeant promotion board because he's a sergeant promotable and I'm not, I haven't gone yet, but he doesn't want to help me get there because guess what's going to happen? I'm probably going to promote faster and pass him. So I do remember that from experience, uh, Brian. I don't know. Have you ever seen anything like that or experienced that? Um, I would say, oh man, it's been quite some time since I've seen that type of thing. Uh, because like you said, that was, that was in the early 2000s. I think we've kind of changed our mentality yeah. and culture since then. Uh, really, because I mean, so for instance, we've, we've had this discussion before about how awards were just given out like candy to help people get promoted. So I think getting people promoted was one of those things that we, uh, we kind of drove. Uh, and, and so instead I, I'd have to say that if, if there was an instance, I can't remember off the top of my head, Ed. Uh, and, you know, I mean, there's there's been plenty of times where I've caught people say, and shoot, I've even said it myself, where it's like, I can't believe that person got promoted before me. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, man. And I <laughs> don't get me wrong, man. Um, there are the – so there's the ego thing. And, and so we still all have some sort of something going on where we're a little bit selfish, and that's – why it's always good to kind of remind ourselves, no, it's not okay to do this. Facts. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are definitely people that I, I know, uh, that you may also know, I know, you know, now, um, I thought to myself, how in the world does somebody as a backstabbery get promoted like that before me type thing? You know what I mean? And I thought, and I've even told myself like, all right, Brian, come on, you know, better, you can't talk like that, you know? Um, and there are, there were people that, I remember when I was a recruiter and I was still a Sergeant E5 and I had heard that a, a, a particular soldier that used to be uh, one of the soldiers that I would definitely say worked for me um, because I have, I still have this soldier's packet to this day. I was his Sergeant. I was a 23 year old Sergeant. He was a 32 year old specialist. And I remember driving him around and, 
doing things and getting him to do what he's supposed to do. But then I had heard, I, well, I didn't heard, I, I heard, I saw it on the, uh, on the promotion list that he had made staff sergeant. I'm thinking, how did this person make staff sergeant before me? You know, and at the time I felt it was righteous. I felt it was righteous anger and whatnot. But now I think about, I'm like, well, I don't know him anymore. You know, what he was, uh, was obviously a problem uh, for the organization then, but he may have changed his ways. He may have changed his mindset. He may have done, you know what I mean? So, you know, I think about back and I think, well, I was being selfish and I felt like I wasn't promoting others like I should. So I, I try to refrain from that type of language now, if, if that makes sense. So, yeah. No, it does. And, and so, and the one thing is, we, which I think still drives that it's hard. It's hard to promote somebody ahead of you, but what you're really doing is you're doing what's best for the organization. So yeah. just because you promote that guy, that doesn't mean you're going to get taken out of your position, your job. Maybe they're going to move him to another mm-hmm. area where he can help enhance that team. Yeah. And maybe that that to me, that spreads your influence, right? Because now by you taking care of him and being willing to promote him ahead of you or her, you show that, that that that's okay to do. And now they're going to go to this other section, this other you know position, and they're going to do it. And now you've, you've altered the culture within your yep. organization and you've made the organization better. And I think that is crucial, uh, you know, for leadership and for exercising humility, Brian. I, you know what, Ed, I want you to just put a quick note for number five about referring back to the promoting others. Cause I think All we're right. going to hit upon that when you get into number five, I, I know, cause I've got something to say about it, but I don't want to lead into that right now. What I do want to do is go into number four, acknowledging others, you know, acknowledging others is basically one of those things, Ed, that for instance, I take your strengths and I make those strengths shine, but then whatever I notice is your weaknesses. I don't sit there and uh, broadcast it to others, or I don't, I don't criticize and cut you down uh, for your shortfalls in front of people or anything, or even in a, in a one-on-one situation, I'm not going to cut you down because yeah, it, that right there, it may give you some short-term results. Like that person will be like, Oh, I gotta get this done. I gotta get it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But over time, over a, a longer period of time, I guarantee you they're going to have this mentality of, man, I've got to find a new job. I can't deal, keep doing this, you know? And I could, that's, that's that burnout. We've, we've talked about burnout in the past on, ep, on, you know, episodes. Uh, we actually did a whole episode about burnout, but when, when people are bullying or uh, at work and, and so listen, I, when I say bullying, I, I have a different mentality about it than what others may think. And I think uh, it may not be as, um, as I guess, loose about what bullying is. To me, it's kind of like I'm forcing myself on you. I'm pushing you. I'm calling you names, all those things. Now, for instance, you and I, we have fun. We, you and I can joke right back and forth and we can kind of cut at each other, but we know we it's at a certain limit, right? We, we did it. We did it during the fantasy football thing. Like we busted back and forth on each other and it was fun, but Especially at the same time, uh, see that. And that's what I mean. Like I know how to take that <laughs> because I can't wait for this season. Hopefully they don't cancel the football season. Oh, anyways, <laughs> you know, actually, uh, so Kai, I want to side, I'm going to do a rabbit hole real quick. Speaking of seasons, I think I saw Furman put a post on Facebook about um, setting the, setting the, 
Xbox to computer versus computer and just watching the game. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I'm like, man, that's a good idea. Maybe I'm going to go downstairs and do that with a football game too. <laughs> just watch computer. He would, I don't doubt he would do it too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That guy's so deep into sports, man. And that's that's one of his strengths, man. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to sports. Um, but what I, when I was getting at is, I think you and I cutting back at each other, that's not bullying. That's 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 kind of that's camaraderie. That's that's a esprit de corps together, having a good time. You know, it's when I'm cutting so deep that it starts turning personal, or it starts to um, that I'm razzing you entirely too much, and people are ganging up on that razzing. You know, to me that does that. Now that turns into a problem, right? If you're in a group of people and four people are all razzing on one, that's a bullying. That to me that turns into a bullying situation, right? Uh, at the same time, as an as a leader or an influencer of an organization, when you are cutting down someone in front of other people, don't don't let it fool you. Those other people, they have two things going on in their mind. Right now, one, they're cutting down on that person in their mind, yeah. and two, they're thinking, "Oh crap, I don't want that to be me. How do I get out of this situation?" And that leads to that you're driving to people too hard. You're, you're promoting this push, 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 and you're going to create that burnout that we talked about. You know, So burnout employees, they, that turnover rate is going to be substantially high. But let, let, let's look at it this way. Leaders who operate from humility, they would never consider bullying their uh, team members as part of the process uh, for success. They don't, they don't, strive on that fear-driven type situation, right? When people feel acknowledged by feeling successful, and if we go back up to the other ones, you know, if I make you feel more successful and help you along, one, I'm going to establish you wanting to stay with me in my organization. Two, I'm going to help promote you uh, to become something better. Uh, You know, so you have to look at it this way. A good leader with humility they coach their team members individually and collectively on what went wrong. They develop new strategies and they send their teams back into the field to try it again, right? So it's not, you did this wrong. You better fix this. Instead, it's, how are we going to get past this together? What what are some of the shortfalls that we need to look at that we can work on together? How can I help you? That's where you can use an I. Okay. I do believe I is okay in some of the statements. And it's when I'm saying is how can I help you or what can I do to help this situation? You know, for instance, maybe it is the leader. Maybe the leader is the reason why the situation is failing because they're getting too involved, right? And to and to have that candid conversation with your group or your your team, and they can go back and they say, Hey, listen, brother, this is the deal. You may, we feel like you got a little too involved in this and then we weren't able to do this because of this micromanagement piece, blah, 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 whatever. Then that's yeah. when the leader yeah. shows that humility, steps back and says, got you. Thanks for the info. I will step back. I need to look at the bigger picture on this. Thank you. Right? So what are you thinking? I think that this sounds like extreme ownership to me. <laughs> because it's, it, 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 I mean, this is almost a definition right here. Yeah. If the team went wrong, humble leaders know they were part of that equation. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so as I read that, I was like, this is extreme ownership. And of course there is a whole part of extreme ownership. That's about check your ego. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, and of all this whole b- little blurb here, Brian, I, I like humility breeds humility because lately we've been really focusing on developing our culture and our organizations. And, uh, if, if, if first Sergeant Weber, you know, demonstrates humility, then it lets his leaders down the line know it's okay to have humility. And that makes that organization thrive. Exactly, man. And that's, and that's exactly where I felt like we were going with that conversation too, is knowing that if, if I'm showing it as the leader, uh, then it's going to kind of incubate and keep incubating. And if you, it's almost like one of those things, you ever heard that saying, Ed, where if like, if I, feel like I'm saying it too much. It's not enough. That's what it is. Yeah. It's one of those. No, no, I know exactly. It's definitely the, if I think I'm saying it too much, then it's not enough because basically I've not convinced myself that it's good enough. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. All right. Hey, what's this next one we're supposed to get after? So this one is interesting. This is collaborative. Mm. Number five is collaborative. Success is better game from a mindset of collaboration rather than comp petition mm. um, and, and you know we a few episodes ago we talked about trust and stuff and and in it we talked about competition can cause a lack of cooperation and therefore a lack of trust within your organization or your group um now me i personally believe there is some competition is okay yes i, I will tell you i've seen it really bad so i worked for the phone company in canada for a bit at bell canada and i was in sales you know, back in the day, I'm going to date this back when you had to ask them for call display on your home phone or call waiting or, you know, these other features. <laughs> and it was a lot of people that were putting stuff on people's lines uh, that they didn't ask for because there was an incentive program and you can win things and you can earn points and buy things and get these nice things. And it was cool stuff like Walkman. Um, it was cool stuff. <laughs> what was that? A Walkman? Uh, Not even a Discman? A Walkman? All right, maybe a Discman. It might have been. It was a Discman. <laughs> but, oh. but that competition, you know what I mean? Like, So the problem is that you know you have your sales team, but then you have your uh, business office or help desk. Well, they're the ones that have to remove the services. And then you know this is a blemish for them when they can't get the customer to maintain the service, which they never asked for to begin with. So it was kind of one of those things. And then even in the team, like there was no collaboration because everybody was trying to sell as much as they could. And and I think that's really um, uh, just kind of demonstrates where this could go wrong. Um, But collaboration is a key point. It's so much better when you can say, all right, this is what we're trying to get done. All right, I'm going to do this. Hey, I'm going to do this. All right, I'll do this. And then we work as a team and we, yeah. you know, get the desired, uh, desired results, Brian. Now you did want me to refer you back to promote others when we got to collaborative. Absolutely. And Ed, the reason was when you said, if I'm working with an individual and I'm helping getting them promoted and now they get, they become promoted to a certain section. What I have just done was I created a certain relationship with that individual. If we, if that happens, now, let's say that it's two different sections that need to work together. And what you did was is you bridged that gap now because that is that person who you helped to get promoted 
and 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 they're basically kind of like your equal now, or they're even they may even be higher up in the in the in totem pole of you. They're gonna say, "Oh, I know this individual. They're they're definitely looking out for the better of everyone else. We need to work with this person, right?" So now you're creating that collaborative, you know. And it to me, you're building upon this. Like you said earlier, none none of these are in any particular order. No, they're not. But at the same time, they're all intermingled, and you got to think of how they work. So. I, I guess I would definitely say that this is not like a linear type thing. Everything we talk about, whether it be an, an influence or, or even leadership, which to me are both the same thing, it's not linear. It's more like a spider web. So you can go any direction at any given time. You just have to be able to read what's going on and, and, and take yourself out of the equation sometimes and say, listen, that person is more important than I am. I need to help them because they're showing what needs to be done to become uh, a, a great leader, or a great person. So that's why I look at it that way is I think you helping somebody get promoted could actually turn into a great collaboration down the road within the organization. Well, that's funny. You should say that, Brian, because I just had an aha moment. So, <laughs> uh, so where I work now, uh, you know, I work with the, the host countries that we use for whatever exercises and things of that nature here in Europe. Well, all the stuff that I provide to the host country is provided to me from the logistics plan people plans people right well that's where i was i came from and what happened is i made the list to be promoted to master sergeant and they sent me to this host nation support section right Mm -hmm. because hey he made it like let's put him in a master sergeant position i move up there and now that section and i collaborate a lot i told you i have a meeting monday at 10 it's with that section to work through some stuff that normally they would have just done and give to me but what we've been doing is twice a week meeting and doing it together because what would normally happen is they would send it to me i would red ink it send it back to them they would send it to me i'll look it over again maybe red ink one more thing now we're doing it together and it's that relationship because i came from there that by promoting me and moving me into this section into this slot you created that collaboration, that bridge. So as you were speaking, I had the aha, like, oh, wait a minute, this just happened to me. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then that's, yeah, I'm a good sport about it, you know? Oh, I see what you just did there. You literally took us to the next little piece. Oh, okay. What? Yeah, <laughs> like being a good sport. You know, Ed, when I first um, read through this material, I saw good sport. And I thought, I thought something totally different than actually what Patriots they're talking fan. about. Stop. This, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I guess the razzing maybe take a little bit. I felt like you were bullying that time. Okay. <laughs> but, but no, the way, so when you see the word good sport, it means, you know, kind of like, Hey, listen, you know, how you act on the ball field or whatever. I didn't think of it in the work sense. Right. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, even though if, it, because you lose, don't be, don't be a, a butthole about it. Right. Instead, be gracious for the loss and then learn something from it. it that's Ooh. it works in business too, man. It, you know, basically, business is a bit of a game. If you think it, actually, uh, Simon Sinek, gonna bring him up again. He just <laughs> wrote and released a newer book called The Infinite Game. And I am, I think I'm almost, I'm about three quarters done with the book right now. And I definitely could tell you that the mindset of business being a game and not a finite game, because he talks about infinite versus finite. Finite, there's an end, kind of like a basketball game or a football game. 
versus an infinite game is you, it's never going to stop. It's always going. So you got to play for the long haul. You got to play for the, 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 the long wins. Um, the not short wins. Short wins are not going to get it for you every time because after a while, the short wins aren't going to build up to long wins. They're just going to be for short-term gain. Um, but you, you, you're going to win and you're going to lose in it. And it's not how you kind of, especially what he talks about is, it's not how you reflect upon it to say, okay, um, I'm Microsoft and you and you're, you're Mac or Apple, right? And my mentality, and he explains this in it is, my goal is to beat you in sales. Apple's goal is to make life better for people. Whose goal is finite and whose goal is infinite, right? I, I got to play this. I got to play this game. I'm thinking Apple's in it for the long haul versus mm-hmm. Mac is in it for just the short gain. The short gain wins. I want to beat you in sales this quarter. Well, what about next quarter? What about the quarter after that? What What's the overall goal? You know, and they're making the goal, the numbers versus the goal needs to be the you know, meeting the vision, meeting the mission. Well, at the same time, what he's talking about here is be a good sport by taking those losses that you had and learning from them and saying, you know what? Not all is lost. We learn from our mistakes. Let's just not make them again. We also learn from our wins. Let's strengthen those wins, you know? So, and it's, you know, when it comes to winning and succeeding, you know, humble leaders, they welcome each victory with a sense of grace and dignity, dignity, and they encourage their team members to do the same. And to me, that's a, that's a big thing about being a good sport. What do you think about being a good sport? I will tell you what I think about it, Brian. I have a note here that I'd like to read to you, and it says, good sport equals lessons learned equals lifelong learning. Uh, and, and that's this this whole paragraph summed up, man. So the one thing that really stands out in here is, you know, it talks about that when you lose or when you fail at something, there's no such thing as a total loss, right? Yes. You learn from that experience. Let's think about video games. You've been playing Fortnite, right? So you started out playing Fortnite and you probably really stunk at it and you get killed. And you get killed at a particular area on the map. I've never played Fortnite, by the way, so I'm just winging this. Uh, you get killed at a particular area on the map because there's a blind spot, and the guy's hiding that blind spot. Well, you learn from that. And the next time you look at a way to approach him, you know, without falling into that blind spot and being killed because you learn from your failure. And it's the same thing in business. It's the same thing in military mm-hmm. leadership. You learn. You know, the – the, when I was a young sergeant, the first time I went to the first sergeant's office and got my, my butt chewed, got my butt handed to me, I never did that same thing twice. Like, <laughs> you you learn, you know, and, and you take that experience and you chalk it up. And in the next one, I'm going to talk about these experiences and, and the development. But yeah, that's what this is. This is about, you know, hey, I touched the stove. Stove's hot. Don't touch the stove again. You know? Uh-huh. Hey, aha moment for me, man. Thanks for bringing it up. So I look at oh, this. <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not the touch the stove thing because my brother did that when we were kids. <laughs> he burned his hand pretty bad. Um, but the aha moment was is I think about this in the same thing. You said you you take in those losses and whatnot. Well, let's take it in a sense of as a, an influence or a leader and our mentorship towards someone. And I might not accept like their failure as it was my failure, but at the same time, I need to accept it. Because I need to learn from that particular failure, and it may be something you know completely unrelated to you as the leader. 
Right. But if you're learning from that, then you can you can kind of analyze it and think to yourself, okay, well, how could we have prevented that in the future for that individual? Let's say it was a sergeant that I, I worked with um, years ago who was a part of my section. And then down the road, I hear about a situation that happened to him at a different organization. Well, one, did I instill the humility and the integrity and all those foundational things that we talk about enough that he carried or she carried it through to the next and next and next and next, just keep going down the road. Right. What did I, where was my missing mark? You know, why can't I learn from that? Why can't I be humble enough to say, okay, how can I teach an individual not to do something or to do something? You know? So I, I look at that as also as part of that learning from those losses. Yeah. That's, I mean, and that's important. And, and I can see where it ties into humility too, because first of all, it's hard to accept the defeat. Right. Oh yeah. And then when you do have to accept defeat, it, it's hard to be like, all right, now let me dig what's good out of this defeat, you know, especially in the heat of the moment, like, you know, the clock just struck double zeros. That's not the time for you to probably reflect and try to draw out what was good about it. But later on, and that's why we have, you know, in sports and, and you talk about your uh, Al Bundy days. And I remember even in basketball, that's why you have film sessions afterwards is because even though you lost, you can pull some positives out and be like, Hey, look, like right here, you're doing great playing this formation, but here we didn't, you know, execute. So I think that's a big part of humility is just identifying. I think it's more important to identify when you have a, uh, a, you know, a, a setback. I think it's more important to identify the, the things to, to, that you can learn from that than it is to learn from the great things that you do. Yeah, definitely. I felt that that was very powerful, Ed. Did you, Brian? Speaking of powerful, <laughs> I was really getting ready to do the He-Man thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I, So speaking of um, He-Man, I introduced He-Man, 1980s version, our version, to my children the other day. They sat there and watched it. I was like, parent victory, yes. Yes. <laughs> it means Voltron has to be next. Oh, no, oh. no, no. Eva is already a Voltron fanatic. Yeah, a few years back, we actually bought her the entire Voltron. She got all five lions, man. She And she still has them to this day. She. Oh, I feel like you said Eva, not Ethan. You said Eva? Yeah, Eva. Eva, my daughter. She. Well, you know there's a Lego Voltron, by the way. Oh, I did not know that. And, and you would be an expert on that Lego piece. Um, ooh, that reminds me. Hey. So you're talking about powerful. Uh-oh. Maybe you can reference uh, yes. your Batmobile incident here at some point. <laughs> uh, let's not. Uh-oh. Anyway. <laughs> oh, that's just worst spot. He's still he's still uh, festering over that, so we, we don't want to go into that. Yeah, that was so hard. Okay. <laughs> so well, we, number seven is powerful. And, you know, the bottom line here, we're going right back to the um, experience. So it says, so basically leaders who possess humility have developed this character trait through much success and suffering. Please reference number six, good sport. Mm, yes. <laughs> through both trial and error, they have developed into resilient, intuitive, hardworking, and incredibly experienced people. They honor their knowledge and experience and do not fail to put themselves or more importantly, the ideas of their team forward. So this is what we talked about. We've talked about this a few times about the, you know, when you're a young sergeant. I know for me, trial and error was definitely the thing, especially when learning to deal with soldiers, because I wanted to be cookie cutter in the beginning. One size fits all. 
And, you know, through trial and error, I realized I can't handle every situation and every soldier the exact same. And as you do that, I feel like that's why as a senior, we're, we're way more powerful than we were as a sergeant. I don't think it's the rank. We talked about not using your rank or position. I think the real power comes from those bumps, those experiences that being the good sport, you know, Brian, um, at least for me, what do you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, because basically you're, the funny thing is the thing about humility, it is a sort of form of power. We, we actually did, uh, we did the the episode where we talked about personal power and professional power and we went through yep. all that. But I, I do distinctively remember us talking about humility within that and how to use it. So it's like, wow, man, we got to keep on this track. And it's funny how we constantly are interweaving. Remember spider web? That's what leadership is, it's spider web. But but with that, using that particular power of humility, it actually it's almost it's it's influential to others around you and it helps create more like more um win for your sale, so to speak. Uh it just helps you gain momentum. Um and by doing being a good sport and learning before and also to be able to collaborate with others and promote others and all that stuff, you are creating a sense of power that it's almost like a you start rolling a snowball down the hill and it just creates an avalanche at, at some point. Yeah, you're right. And so you talk about that avalanche and for a leader of humility, you don't let that snowball run you over. Uh, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so you should be on the other side of it. <laughs> a powerful leader, you know, so it doesn't remind, make you a pushover, but you, you, you put, you don't let your team members or yourself, whatever, get overlooked. So I remember being a young sergeant again and going to squad leader meetings and, you know, some of the staff sergeants, they would try to like, you know, bully me because I didn't know any better. But as I gained some knowledge and some experience as a leader, then I was more apt to say, no, 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 no. We gave somebody up for guard duty the last four times. It's it, it should be somebody else this time. You know, that's powerful. And that's not letting them push you over because they would. They would try to, you know, thump their little rank on their chest and push me to the side. And uh didn't let it happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 powerful. And that goes back to me saying many times, like you know, I was always taught you make them respect you for a rank higher than what you are. Yeah. And, and I think that what this is, I think that's that powerful. And as a Sergeant E5, you just got promoted in April, 2020. You probably don't have the experience to do that yet, but you know, after a few months, maybe even a year or so, you have some experience behind you now. And that that's when you should really start to see uh, you know, somebody who's senior to you, that staff sergeant, that sergeant first class, treat you a little more fairly, like more of a, not an equal, but a little at a higher level than what they did, you know, when you first got promoted. You know, I, I, you, all that you were saying there, Ed, it really uh, led me to the, the mindset of pay the bill for leadership capital just over and mm -hmm. over again. Yeah, because of <laughs> how, because you don't gain that leadership capital without be digging in, you know, getting in the trenches, doing the hard stuff, being a part of everything. And, and yep. yeah, and don't, don't set yourself above everyone else. You create more power from the, the lowest level or the foundation than you do. If I, if I want to build a house, I don't start with a roof. I mean, hello, 
you know, obviously uh, <laughs> I, I need somewhere to put it. So, you know, and to be, to be powerful of a house, I got to build a good foundation. And, and then you start building up and, and you can actually increase and make it, you know, whatever it needs to be, but you got to start, you know, start at the bottom and work your way up. Uh, I, yeah. sometimes I relate that, um, I've, I've mentioned this before to, to, uh, different subordinates, basically those who've worked with me that, you know, I came in the army as an E1. So I know what it's like coming from the bottom of the barrel, right? You know, some people, they get to do things before they come in and they get to be E2s and E3s. Some of them even are coming as an E4 specialist. I came in as a PVTE1 and I remember, you know, I know what it's like, you know, and that's to constantly remember what it's like to be there. When I walk by a soldier and you don't see it that much in aviation because usually by the time they get to you at an organization, especially they've already got at least the mosquito wings, as we call it, or a private, you know, PV two. Um, but when you see that fuzzy chest, you know those <laughs> kids are they're scared out of their wits. What's that? <laughs> you said they're fuzzy chest. I said he means they're rank. Uh, the, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, here I am using using analogies that we understand in the military, and there's probably people that listen that like fuzzy chest. What like hairy chest soldier? What? What's going yeah, on? Not, not because he's 18 and just <laughs> left mom's house. Fuzzy. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is in yeah. Like so, basically, um, you know, we have our our rank on there, and usually. Uh, if there's no rank, which is the PVT, there's nothing on there. So it's just like a, um, it's uh, the fuzzy side of the Velcro. This is all you see. So we call it a fuzzy chest. But but with that, I I don't, you know, I want them to know, like, for instance, when they see me, that they don't have to be fearful of me, right? I find there's more power in the game. And this is going to help with the next one I get into. But hmm. I find that there's more power in the game as a leader and influencer that if I talk to them, like a freaking human being. And I go back to humanity, you know, to me, there's a lot more. Now, are they going to go to the position of parade rest or whatever? Probably they will. Right. But I'm not going to like yell at them just out of the blue or I'd be like, you know, if I'm making a correction, be like, Hey, listen, you know, do you know what the rule is on this? And if they can answer me correctly, I usually finish it off with, I'm glad, you know, that means you got to do it that way, you know, or, and and much like with your 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 correction you made, you're like no, absolutely not. <laughs> What's the correct thing, right? So you, but you didn't. You weren't like you didn't jump out of the car and say I'm sorry, blah blah blah, <laughs> blah blah. You know, and, you know what I mean. You didn't do that. You didn't identify the rank you were. Yeah. You you went from a different mindset and different approach where you know what it's supposed to be, and you found out if they knew it. And to me, that that works. Yeah, yeah. I now if the soldier starts like back talk and something like that, then maybe we like exchange ID cards so we can get everything clear, you know. <laughs> uh, but it shouldn't be necessary. No, like, yeah. I think you have enough of a presence usually as a leader, especially as a senior NCO. I think we have enough experience, enough of a presence that they're like, they don't know my rank, but I I guarantee their soldiers like he's a sergeant something. Like <laughs> I don't, I don't get a lot of the disrespectful things anymore but when i notice a tone in a voice that seems to be like it's getting a little bit out of hand or kind of like a, a you know being wrong i will i'll just look i'll give the kind of the the slight eyebrow rouse raise on one side and say excuse me <laughs> and usually you can kind of see so you don't have to 
force yourself and pour, force your power on people. Sometimes you can just are you, have an expression. Are you giving them the people's eyebrow? Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> Not nearly as good as the, uh, the Rock, man. He, <laughs> his his is amazing. Actually, I was watching a. I was watching a. Here I go. I was watching a TikTok video. You ever watch TikTok? Uh, if it pops up in a feed. It is some of the stuff on there is hilarious, but anyways, but this is one guy he could do both eyes as good as rock, and it was like he was doing a song to it. I'm like, I was mesmerized by how his eyebrows could raise. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just like, why am I watching this? I don't know. His eyebrows are amazing. <laughs> so, anyway, and there's the and hole. I digress. <laughs> there's the rabbit. Hey, man, we're full of them, right? You know. Uh, I digress. And so powerful, I find that uh, intriguing. And I also find that it's key to integrity. I I agree. I agree. Let's let's talk about how. We will. I actually do want to, I hate reading everything off of this, but this one, I felt like how powerful the set, the, the, the little paragraph is. I feel yeah. like it kind of needs to be gone out there. So, I, so before you I, do that, Brian. Go ahead. So I highlight the things that, you know, I want to read, the things I think I want to discuss in a different color, whatever. This paragraph completely highlighted the read in case you told me to do the odd numbers or the even numbers. So just yeah. so you know, I would have read everything in here as well. Yes. Yeah, it's it it speaks to the core and you could almost take this to me, Ed, and you could make this like a small um, values uh, type situation or a value statement or a mission vision type statement for integrity. It, it's that's how yeah. that's how strong I think it is. Um, so I, I agree. So I go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. So I think it's so strong that I actually have a note that says should be number one if these are in order. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. Because and we've yeah. you know we did the show on integrity. Man, I you know it's funny how it's like you want to go back and edit some stuff to add things yeah. in. And this is one of those things where I'm like, man, this would have been great in that show to add this, this whole little paragraph. It's not, it's only what five, six sentences, but it's, yeah. it says a lot. All right, Brian, we'll share it with us. Leaders who operate from humility did not build their reputation on a set of false, loud, flashy pretenses. They do not seduce others with fancy words, not backed by subsequent action. These leaders are people others can depend upon. That's a key piece, can depend mm -hmm. upon, you know. Um, and I'm going to go back to that in just a minute, but here we go. They do what they say and say what they do. There is no falsity to their word. Their word is as strong as oak. Their yes is a yes and their no a no. They are community-oriented and believe the best way to lead and to bring people together is to do so with high levels of integrity, where each person is clear on their roles, duties, and goals of the overall team. Now, I, I said I was going to come back to that when I talked about people others can depend upon. A, peer, a person of humility is definitely somebody that others can depend upon. Because they, one, they know they can go to that person and they're not going to be shunned. They're not going to be disrespected normally. And that usually somebody of humility is going to help them through the waters, right? That idea of the yes be a yes and a no be a no, that's a biblical, that's a biblical um, 
deal right there. You can actually find it in the Bible as one of the verses. It, it talks about let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. Uh, don't be wishy-washy. I feel like <clears throat> this is like one of those things, Ed, um, throughout the years as a leader in this service that I've had to develop over time and I've had to catch myself earlier on as a leader where I'd say, oh, yeah, we're going to do that. And I didn't do it. And I felt bad, right? Yeah. Um, and even in my personal life, at the same time, I was doing that and I didn't. So, for instance, my kids, I want to do a painting with them. We're going to, you know, they're doing the homeschooling thing. And I told Michelle, hey, I'd love to do an art class with them. And I want to do a painting because I love to paint. I love, I'm, I'm very Bob Rossi. I love doing oil paints. But I think we're going to do um, an acrylic paint, actually, uh, painting that I found online. And I'm like, I really want to do this with them. And it was funny, Eva last night, she says to me, she said, oh, we hadn't done our painting yet, dad. And I'm like, exactly, honey, we're going, we're definitely going to do it. Um, and my plan is to do it today, right? I didn't say when I was going to do it because I had to be careful of, you know, my yes be my yes and my no be my no and my integrity. If I tell my kid I'm going to do it today and I don't get it done, I just violated my integrity, right? And I don't, to me, like of all people I don't want to disappoint in life, it's, there's there's three people major that I don't want to disappoint. One's my wife, and the other two are my two children. And, and my me. third children, actually. And my third child. Man, look at me. I feel like an idiot. And my third children, right? I have I have two daughters and a son. But and I don't me. want to disappoint. And who? Me. You were already disappointed when I told you I'm a Patriots fan. That is disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but... But in exactly. So, and I'm not saying, so I'm not exclusively only adding them to my integrity of the world, but I use them as my foundation. If I violate that with them, then I would do it with anybody else. Right. So I look yes. at it this way. Um, they're my foundation and I want to carry that through my work, through my interactions in the community, through my church home, through all these different things is my yes be my yes, my no be my no, hold my integrity, and then also try to involve others in that to build that community. What are you thinking? No, I mean, we've talked about integrity and how important it is. And I think the big thing here, first of all, I want to point out that it says their word is as strong as oak. And uh, immediately I thought of the man known as the Austrian oak. So if you want a visualization of how strong their word is, you just got to look for Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 70s because he was <laughs> called the Austrian Oak. All right. But yeah, that, the, yeah. I mean, but it does. If, if you think about it, that would demonstrate to you what, what you're talking about. Yes is a yes. No is a no. And and I'm going to tell you that there are times that you may have to choose your words wisely, especially when you're dealing with children, like Brian's scenario. And uh, for me, I found with soldiers because sometimes they'll put you in a spot like, where if you give them a yes, you're not 100% sure, you know, hey, am I going to be able to take this leave? You know, I want to buy my plane ticket. You want that to be a solid yes. But there's other situations where it's like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. because the Army changes and we're taught to be flexible. So there yes. are times when it's difficult, but you don't compromise this. And the minute you compromise your integrity, you've compromised your influence, you've compromised your leadership, and you've compromised your ability to lead, in my opinion. Exactly, man. I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, expel upon this or basically the entire piece that we went over, um, 
integrity falls very much in line with what it means to be humble. Um, you can't, I don't think you can be humble without good integrity. And I don't think you can have good integrity without being kind of a little bit humble, uh, because you're going to be put in situations like you said. And sometimes your integrity is going to, uh, reflect your humility in the conversation and vice versa. Um, but you know, Ed, you know, I think about this, this whole show and I just, I'm extremely grateful for us being able to do this together and still be able to keep doing this. Well, thank you, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) So number nine, as Brian has shared with us, is grateful. And, you know, the most impactful way to lead others is to be mindful of inclusion and in the dropping of prejudices. When I went to the Equal Opportunity Leaders class, that's one of the things they really, you know, hammered in is you have to be able to drop any kind of prejudice you have because you're dealing with people in situations and you can't let those prejudices, um, you know, get in in, and intervene in what you're supposed to do as an equal opportunity leader. So that we used to have the, uh, your little prejudice kit bag because everybody has something that they just, you know, I don't like that. I don't, and you can't let that, you know, interfere. Um, and as a, as a leader with humility, You are thankful for the differences. I'm going to tell you, when I was working in the supply support activity, the warehouse, uh, and this kind of goes to the map idea that we've talked about with you, Brian. I wish I would have known this back then, but I mean, I had soldiers from all over the country. Uh, I've had, you know, and and you're all in this one tight knit group and we all deployed. And at that time, man, all the junior soldiers were all they've never deployed. I think I had one who had deployed Two, I had two who had deployed. So there was a lot of challenges, but I was thankful for that because one, it keeps things interesting when people are from different places and you can learn, you can continue to lifelong learn about people. And, you know, and then you as a, as a leader, it it really develops you to have to deal with people from these different, uh, these different cultures, these different parts of the United States, you know? So, I was always kind of grateful for the team I had. Yes. Did they make me crazy? Yes. Do I have gray hair now? Gray hair now because of them? Probably. (laughs) Um, Yes. You have to look at those things. And then it goes on, you know, they're talking about being grateful for resources provided to you, opportunities, like I said, with their team. You know, it's the same thing now. Like I am grateful for the job I have because I think that this job will prepare me for post-military, you know, a post-military career so you gotta be thankful for stuff like that i'm thankful for somebody moving me and giving me that opportunity even though it also helped them by building that collaborative effort between the two sections brian so that, that grateful and we also did a whole episode on being grateful too yes, way back I, yeah we did right yes like way and way back <laughs> <laughs> yes we did it was a while back you know you know, and I, I think about that whole grateful thing and it, I think it's okay. To, it's definitely, it's, gr- it's great to be grateful. Um, but I think <laughs> in, that's, that was a horrible choice of words. Uh, but I, the way I look at it, man, is I think you need to verbalize it. I really believe people need to verbalize how grateful they are and to be able to kind of, mm-hmm. uh, say, Hey, I'm grateful for you as a team. I'm great. I'm, I'm thankful that all of you are as hardworking as you can, you know, and I'll tell you right now, uh, my last commander and I, we constantly did this, uh, with, within our, um, 
within our company, we would do that and we would, you know, kind of express our gratefulness. And I, I, to me, I think it's very important to verbalize such a thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Brian. And I think that's where for us, you know, we talked about, I think maybe last episode, I think it was the, uh, maybe it was last episode. We talked about the coins, the coins of excellence in the military. And that's why I think I'm telling you, if I am in any kind of leadership position, uh, post-military career, I'm going to use coins. And, and I think that it's a good way to show somebody you're grateful on the spot. Um, even if you teach. So, you know, my thing is I want to teach school, but why can't I recognize, you know, the student of the month with a coin? I, it only takes me buying like a handful of coins, seven, eight coins. I can have the same coin back to back years. Doesn't have to change. Right. So if I buy what, 20, 30, uh, but you can, why not recognize that that student will remember that coin. I promise you probably the rest of their lives. Like, you know, there's things that I had high school teachers do for me that I remember, uh, to this day, my typing teacher. Yes. I said typing, not word processing, not computer class typing teacher, Mrs. Dixon, because man, if she seen me where I wasn't supposed to be, she give me the, the look and it made me so guilty. I went to class. So and, and we're talking like 1989. So you remember those experiences? <laughs> at, but why not show why not show somebody you're grateful for what they do for you? When I email now and, and I'm interacting with whatever other, you know, branch, I will tell them, hey, thank you for all your support. Now I do sometimes worry, does this sound like I'm kissing up? Does it sound uh not genuine? But I at least say, hey, thanks for, you know whatever uh give you an example a captain chased down some information for me uh rfis we call them require further information right right so she chased these things down for a unit that's in lithuania and i just shot her email after i got the information i said hey you know ma'am thank you very much for tracking these down for me so quickly that's it but she knew i was grateful for her assistance and i think that builds relationships and it also probably builds some collaborative uh efforts with us later oh yeah definitely man uh, to me that's that's where that that builds that collaborative builds that teamwork and the humility kind of it just kind of expands from there so yeah no brian you're you're you know i think we're of the same mind too and we talked about thank you notes right we talked about that before and all these other different ways so what are some other you know, I think feel like you got some other steps to help us uh, be humble leaders. I must say we are really on the ball with transitions. Uh, <laughs> we're the bearded ninja will be so proud of our transitions. That's the bearded ninja. Get your beard bomb anywhere, but found nowhere. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Our transitions have definitely been on on point. I hope he lets us know what he thinks. He's probably going to tell us that we use too many crutch words. I've been cutting. Of course, then again, I've been cutting a lot of them out <laughs> when I edit it. <laughs> anyway, well, if you just bring me back to work where I can rehearse, I would uh, get rid of the crutch words. Oh yeah, you know it. You know it. Uh, yeah. So Ed, you you know, it's funny. People would say, "Well, where do I start?" Three easy steps right here. We're going to give you th- the beginning. Yeah, how to be a humble leader in three simple steps. Humble leaders are made, not born. And once made, they can slip into arrogance if they are not careful. So if you want to use these three steps, they'll help you develop and preserve that humility that you need. So number one is be a constant learner. Excuse me. Be a constant learner. It is almost impossible to be egocentric 
when you remain fully aware of how much you don't know. When I moved to the for-profit role, I should have accepted that I didn't fully understand the new financial system and sought help. That's an example of it. Um, When I moved to become a platoon sergeant, I didn't realize there was so much involved in HR metrics and things like that. Mm. So I, it, you know, you got to look at, you kind of, kind of look at the bigger picture and realize that you're constantly learning. Uh, one of the things I could definitely tell you that has helped me stay humble, Ed, uh, when it comes to something like that, being a constant learner, I've said this before. Um, but anytime I take on a new role, a new role, a new leadership role, new position, whatever, I have a, a small glimpse of, I don't know if I can do this. Right in my head, I I literally have said this to me like I don't know if I can be able to, if I'll be able to do this. You know, mm-hmm. I'll be able to accomplish that, or, or that I'll be the the me able to meet the expectations. And it's it's one of those things that helps me. And it's not that I do it on purpose. It's literally it's it's a reactive thing that I have. But then I'll sit there and I'll start dissecting things for a moment, and I'll be like, no, wait. If I did it last time with this position, or I did it that time in that position. I can do it in this position. I just have to learn what needs to be done. And I take on that learner role, right? And to me, that that helps out a lot with that understanding how to be a constant learner. Your thoughts on constant learning? Well, so it's funny, Brian, as you were saying that, I was, so, you know, with all the corona stuff going on right now and the kind of stay at home thing going on, I have started doing the DDPY or DDP yoga with Diamond Dallas Page, former professional wrestler. Very interesting story. Has a book. It's called uh, Positively Unstoppable. Really interesting read. Anyway, so one of the things he says, and he may have got it from somewhere else, but he says this frequently at the opening of his yoga sessions is whether you say you can or you can't, you're right. And that's one of the things when you were saying that and you were saying how sometimes you kind of doubt yourself, that little quote, I have it on a, um, I have it on a sticky next to my desk because when I'm like, I can't do this, I can look at it and he, and basically he's saying, you're right then. But if you say you can, you can. And and I think that just kind of positive affirmation really helps. And I, I like that quote. It's very simple and to the point. Um, you know, so just, you, you have to, be willing to learn and, and accept that I'm not going to be great the first time I do blah, blah, blah. But through experience, through trial and error, as we've talked about on this episode, right? Being humble, having some humility, I am going to uh, improve and I'll get better. You yeah. know, that's great. It, it's just, it, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, I'm doing finance stuff now. And in the beginning, I was like, this is hard. Mm. And now I'm kind of like troubleshooting stuff that other people are saying in meetings and going, that's not, no, you can't do that. That's not. And, and, and that, you know, six months ago, I would not have done that. I just sat there quietly. Cause I was like, I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I get you. And, and it's can be, it's powerful and it, and it generates new power. But at the same time, it's funny. It's like you just said, I can sit there in meetings and say, no, that's not right. I think from that point, it's where do you take it? How do you go about adjusting those fixes and stuff? You know, or what's the verbiage you use? Things like that. I think that's what makes us a little bit more humble as a leader versus authoritative or the the SME who is driven by their power. You know what I mean? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent, Brian. And and for us as uh as NCOs as enlisted, one of the things is when we step up and we can actually say, hey, that's not accurate, and this is why, then it helps us because you know we really have an image in the military of we're coffee makers or you know what I mean, like we're not the thinkers. That's what we've always you know. Mm-hmm. That's for the officers. And when you start showing, no, no, I'm a thinker. I'm not just a coffee maker. In fact, I can't even make coffee without it being a, a Keurig. So, uh, <laughs> but that's one of the things you're doing. You're changing, you're changing a thought process of people who've been in the military for 20 plus years. And they're going, yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, wow. I want to talk to him, even though he's a sergeant, because he knows more than this captain or this lieutenant does. So yes, it's important. It's important. So I uh, rabbit hole real quick. Um, constantly learning. I would tell you, Ed, you may want to get a coffee grinder, start buying whole beans to start measuring it out a little bit. I have found that it is amazing in flavor of the actual coffee. Um, I'm, it, oh. I'm just, we do it, Michelle and I do. And those of you out there who listen, you, that you may do the same thing. It is oh, it's so good. It does. You, you get more flavor in the coffee. It's just, it's a different taste. Uh, I used to buy like, you know, you buy like the the can of Folgers or even like the already pre-ground stuff. It is not the yeah. same, man. When yeah. you ground your own, it is not the same. I promise you that. Um, All right. So I'm going to give you some, uh, I'm going to give you a quick funny story to share for our listeners about coffee making. So I had a leader we talked about earlier. We I had the tyrant, the like, I want to scream and shout at you leader and demanded I make him coffee. And I was like, yeah, I don't know how to make coffee. He said, you know, you better explicit, explicit, explicit language, make me coffee, blah, blah, blah. So I made him coffee. I put half the can of coffee in the filter <laughs> and I made him a pot of coffee, but it was only about two cups of water, uh, two cups worth of water. And for some reason, Brian, he never asked me to make coffee again. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so hey yeah it's <laughs> however comma let's um let's move on let's Brian. Move on. i believe i have number two here yeah go ahead hit <laughs> us up man hey hey Brian, i have number two so you? leave it to me yeah leave it to me that one's mine uh and that is what we're talking about we talked about it earlier in the episode brian is watching your pronouns uh when we're talking with other staff or others about my team's work so for you, Brian, when you go to command and staff at the battalion level, right, we're talking about, what, four or five companies. Am I correct? About? In, yeah, 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 something like that. Yeah, I don't want to give exact numbers. So we'll say five. Let's just say five companies. It's it's good. So we're talking about five different units. And if you get up there and say, my PT scores are good, yeah, it doesn't sound as good as when you say, my company has a 270 PT average, physical training average or, score, or, you know. Yeah, or our organization. Yeah, I mean, our organization. I said my, which is also a poor example. But, yeah, when you start saying, <laughs> or even if you just say, hey, Alpha Company has a APFT score of this, this, this. When you brief, it sounds so much better than you to sit up there. Because now one thing you've done is, now that you've said I, if I'm looking at you now, what I'm thinking is, so then the failures are I too, right? Because a lot of leaders will be yes. I in the successes, but they will be we when there's a failure. Uh, yes. You know what I mean? And then when your team hears that, I'm telling you, when you say, if you're briefing, you know, like a, a warehouse, when I worked in the warehouse, the general would come around 
or a colonel or some other VIP would come. And when you can say, we process this, this is how we run this, you know, this organization. Cause a lot of times they want you to, Hey, show me the process from beginning to end. Well, we do this. Well, your soldiers and your, you know, they overhear that we, 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 and in their mind, there's like, he's not saying I, he's saying we as a team do these things and, and it, you're building leadership capital. Like we've talked about before. And I think that that's important. So getting in the habit of using third person pronouns, like we, our, and us. What are your thoughts, Brian? Oh, man. Hey, when it comes to those words, I couldn't express enough how much my life needs to change. No, <laughs> uh, no seriously. No, when it comes to those words, th- those are what set you apart uh, building a better culture, mm-hmm. period. All right. That ownership, the ownership should be for, should be for everyone. But... And this is a huge but, 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 but when there is a failure, the I needs to come in. The my needs to come in. The me needs to come in. And when I say that, I don't mean as in, I didn't have anything to do with this. That was their fault. Right. No, it should be, I need to accept responsibility for me and my team. Yeah. Hey, sir. Hey, sorry, major. That's my fault. I need to re-engage that. I need to be more. That's that's that ownership by Jocko right there. Okay. Oh yeah. That's when I think it's okay to use the I, me, my, and mine. But when there's successes, or it just talking in general about the organization, there has to be we, our, and us always. Um, yeah, it. I agree. I think it sets a different tone. For instance, if I hear somebody saying I too much, like we say on here a lot, like I've had this experience, right? So we're talking about experiences for lifelong learning. But at the same time, if I hear too much eyes in a conversation with somebody, I, I, my, my mentality in, inside, I'm thinking just, okay, is this person just full of themselves or how real humble are they? You know, so we really got to, got to work on the language. That's all. I think it helps out. Yeah, no, you're you're right, and I think that right now the problem is we, at least for me, my experience, I see a we see a lot of, I see a lot of the I, for like I said for the success, but I see the we when it's a failure, and I think if you just flip flop that, I, I think you'll be on the right path. Oh yeah, definitely. Speaking of path, Brian. Uh, I think, <laughs> yeah, I want to thank you because you've made me a great podcaster. Well, not great, but you've made me a better than average podcaster. And, uh, you know, hey, you're doing a great job yourself and you put in a lot of work. And, you know, I think that uh, you are a key cog in this machine. Well, I would definitely say, Ed, that our desire to do good has done great things. And, uh, Really can't wait to see where we go with this. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ed, number three, the number three step. This is your last step, everyone. Uh, so if you think about it, the very first one, constantly learning. So don't accept the fact that you know everything. When you know everything, you have stopped learning. And when you stop learning, you stop leading. That's right. How <laughs> Number two. <laughs> number two is get rid of the I, me, my, mine. Start incorporating more we, our, and us. This number three, if there's anything that our show can provide you to help you become a humble, 
amazing leader is for you to give credit, all right? Your team will be willing to go the extra mile if they know you will acknowledge their hard work. Give credit to others even when you have done much of the work motivates employees. If, if, if a product is built and it was done in my office and I knocked out a bunch of stuff and then I sent it out and I had, had people add a few things to it, I'm going to credit them. It's one of those things automatically, um, I, you know, because we're in these group chats now, right? I'm going to set on a message uh, and it's going to say, team, thanks so very much for all the hard work you put into this. I truly appreciate you. Now, I may have done most of the work, but I'm not going to sit there and say, thanks to me. I got most of this done. You guys did a little bit too. Come on, man. Like that, if that's not like a, a just a shot in the neck or whatever, man, you. When people do that, it drives me nuts. What do you think about this giving credit, my man? I mean, you give credit, and again, I think it give credit really plays back to the when we were talking about the we, our, and us. I think that's how you can one of the ways you can give credit, and and it does get the employees fired up. It feels good. I mean, it, it it's just a way to drive the machine. I think that uh, it's genuine, you know, and. When they see that, they want to do more. What's next? What can I do next to, you know, yes, to be recognized? Because you are. You're recognizing the hard work by giving them credit. When you don't give them credit, they think their hard work is for naught, and then it frustrates them. Yeah. In a funny, uh, quick story, just, and I know we're hitting that two, we're hitting like a two hour mark almost, Ed. Um, this is a really good topic. <laughs> I know. Uh, quick story, though. So I got this young lady, she used to work with me over in Korea and what an amazing, you know, she has a lot of heart in the game and stuff. Uh, I didn't see this coming. She posted something on Facebook just the other day. And I'm not saying I didn't see this coming because I didn't think she could do it. She just didn't have, she she didn't seem like the type of person who liked to do that. You know, I've been, I'd been pushing other different types of workouts for her and stuff. But she had posted that she'd run a five. She doesn't know why she did it. She went and ran five miles. She got her this <laughs> this certain time. And, you know, it makes it easy for me just to keep scrolling, right? But what, you know, what's that mean mm-hmm. to that that young soldier that I, she's not in my chain of command anymore. She's not within my organization. That I stop a moment, I hit the comment button, and I make a little comment, you know, like, keep getting after it. And then a bunch of little fire symbols, you know, I like emojis sometimes, but I put that on there and you know, that, that probably made her feel good. One, because she knows I saw it, you know, this is where I I guess this is where I have the disagreement with, uh, with Simon Sinek uh, about social media, because it's a way for us to keep track of people away from us. Uh, and you know, like for Mm -hmm. instance, you're, you and your wife, you're doing a lot of different things. We talk, Maybe 45 minutes before the show, we talk in the show, and then usually we're done. And we may do this once a week, so I don't get to see everything you do. But I enjoy seeing all the stuff that's going on, and I make comments, or I hit the like button, stuff like that. Uh, to me, I think that's a way of communicating good job to others. Yeah, and I, I agree. I mean, social media is is powerful for stuff like that, too. And, and I don't see the issue. I mean... There's people I'll, you know, we, we scrub the promotion list. We always look, Hey, do I know somebody? And you may, I've shot emails to people and be like, Hey, congratulations. I see you made the promotion list. And meanwhile, I haven't had a traditional email or or conversation with them in, in years, you know, but you still uh, congratulate them and and you still reach out and, and give them their, you know, it, it just, it, 
uh, fires off those um, endorphins. That's what I was looking for. Exactly. <laughs> no, it does. It, it shoots off. And actually, not the endorphins, more like, because the endorphins uh, for that long-term, I want to say he talks about the endorphins for like long-term runners high and stuff. You know, you reach a certain threshold, you hit the pain, the endorphins kick in, uh, like dopamine, but more like the the ones of um, oxytocin and serotonin. Those are the ones, those That's are the happy it. drugs that the body produces. Yeah. Um, I think also like, so if I'm, if I'm, if I'm scrolling through and, and, and I see these things, my first thought is, is like, why not congratulate someone on that or say, Hey, keep going. Or another one that I like to do, this is just me. I like to send a private message. I'll DM them. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want like this whole group of chat, you know, seeing everything that I may want to do a private message to somebody good or bad to right. me. And it, it does another thing to it. It shows that I'm paying attention to them. Right. And, and that's encouraging. I don't care who you are. That's encouraging. <laughs> I mean, so other than that, Ed, um, I think humility, we could talk about this for another two to five hours. I know we could. No, we can't. Because I got to go to bed. <laughs> But we've got to end the show. We have to end the show at some point. So with that, I do have a task, but I guess you could say it's very much like many of our tasks before because it's going to be like, hey, you go out and do an action, but they don't have to come back and tell us anything. And the reason being is is because the action of humility, it has to be a process, Ed. I don't think it's just like go do it and then come back and say, oh, I did this. What do you think? You know? It needs to be a process, all right? So to start the task for those of you who are out there, to start the task, it's showing that humility. I want you to go out throughout your day and see how many times you can cut out the I, me, my, and mine, okay? Within Within your statements about you and your organization, your team, whatever it is that you find to be important to you, Okay. And I want you to see how much you can cut in the we, the ours, the us's, right? The they's, the them. Don't don't single out people. Try to find that inclusive language and see how often you can do it. That's the task. You don't have to report back to that because that's going to take time. That takes learning. But once it's in your head and you start doing it, you're like, oh, I got to say it this way. Or you'll correct yourself in the middle of it. And that's okay. That's called being a constant learner, right? And at some point, you're going to get gratitude. You know, they're going to show you gratitude and give you credit for it. Okay, um, but the, Ed, if I was a brand new listener today, brand new and brand new, just this is my first episode. Which, um, if this is your first episode, please go back and listen to the other 68 and plus because we've got a lot more material. But Ed, if I was a brand new listener today and I wanted to know how to better connect with you and I, or just the people who follow the instinctive influencer kind of culture, what's some of the things you would recommend? Well, I would definitely recommend that you go ahead and check us out on social media platforms, such as the Instagram or Graham, the book or Facebook or the Twitter at one Oh one influence. You can also check us out at our website at one Oh one influencers at 101 influencers you could check us out see some faces i haven't looked in a while i'm sure the picture of me and my wonderful poodle is still up there um but you can check us out there answer the questions on the facebook page jump in get involved post something inspirational whatever it is you want um if you want to leave some feedback 
or rate us, then go ahead and wherever you download your friendly podcast at, go ahead and rate and review us and leave some comments. We uh, ask that you leave some sustains and improves on there. We have done an AR episode. So if you're new, go back and check that out after action review episode. But yeah, leave us some sustains and improves so we can make the show better for you. Exactly. So, hey, reach out to us. Um, that the whole sustains improved. I'm, I'm very much into that. Um, if you liked what you heard, leave us a review on Facebook. That's probably the best way for Ed and I to be able to kind of see. And that's when you do that one on influence and you go to that that first page for one on influence. You can actually leave a review for the show. Do it and let us know because that kind of that helps us know where we are. You can also, like he said, you can message either one of us and let us know if you have some thoughts on something or something you would like to hear more about or you like to share. You can send us articles. You can send us information. We are very accepting to learning more from others, not just us putting out this information we found. Okay. Um, other than that, Ed, I, I got nothing else for the crew. Uh, I'm 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 really happy with what we uh, provided today. Hey, yeah, just uh, one more thing, Brian. On a serious note, I'm sure that when this air, uh, episode is available, that the COVID thing will be uh, still out there, and we'll still be dealing with that. And I just tell everybody, be careful. All right. Hey, pay attention to the guidance. Take care of each other. Uh, and, you know, I think the hashtag is what flatten the curve. Um, I'm telling you, it's I, I at first I was kind of like, eh, but now it's it's kind of scary watching the numbers jump. And, and over here in Germany, there's a lot of precautions in place. So um, please, please, for our listeners, be careful out there. Uh, yeah. You know, we don't want anybody getting sick. Absolutely. Be a good influence to those around you and try to follow those. Stay at home. Um, hey, it's a good time to listen to the podcast, Ed. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Hey, with that, I am Brian. And I am Ed. And this has been the Instinctive Influencers Podcast. Remember, you interject humility in your life. It will help you in every way as a leader and an influencer. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.